0: Assalamu alaikum and a warm welcome from Sukun, a Muslim wellness podcast by Nasimco, broadcasting live from the 39th Annual Muslim Group of Canada and the U.S. Conference in Chicago, Illinois. We are excited to be broadcasting and recording this live episode in collaboration with the Muslim Group of Canada and the U.S. Tonight's program includes a lecture by the esteemed Dr. Sayed Mustafa Kazwini, followed by a Q&A period hosted by myself, Farhana Kasamali, host of Nasimco's Sukun podcast. I'm delighted to be here today guiding you through this transformative journey towards holistic wellness within an Islamic framework. In today's live session, I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Sayyid Mustafa Kazwini, who will give us a talk on the pandemic of loneliness. While I don't think he needs any introduction, for those who don't know, Dr. Sayed Mustafa Kazwini is the founding Imam of the Islamic Education Center of Orange County and founding president of the Shia Muslim Council of Southern California. He is a graduate of the Islamic Seminary of Qum, and holds a PhD in Islamic studies from the UK. Dr. Kazwini's associations include being one of the founding members of the Council of Shia Muslim Scholars of North America, co-chair of the, of the West Coast Dialogue of Muslims and Catholics, a senior advisor for the United Muslim American Association, and the founder of the Bayt Islamic Seminary of California. Dr. Kazuni spends much of his time lecturing across the US and the world and participating in interfaith and intra-faith dialogues and various panels at churches and universities. In addition to all this, he is the author of numerous books. His collection includes a few titles that I'd like to mention. An American Muslim Preacher, Nuances of Islam in the West, From Resolution to Revolution, Monotheism, The Identity of God, Shia Islam, When Power and Piety Collide, and Discovering Islam. I just want to mention I did get my hands on these books, and they are phenomenal. I already started the book on monotheism, and um, I have to say it is an incredible work. They're excellent for us to read in order to gain a deeper understanding of our faith, and also to have the knowledge when we have discussions with Shia friends, non-Shias, non-Muslims, and atheists. They are an excellent source of information for us as we go through life, and they're all available to purchase on Amazon. We are greatly indebted to Sayed for the effort you have put into these in order to help us improve ourselves. Please welcome Dr. Sayed Mlisavah Kazwini with a loud salawat.
1: Many. I know many people, many of my friends, they are married, they have children, they have extended family members, but yet they still suffer from loneliness. Loneliness within the institution of marriage. Loneliness even when they live with their spouses under one roof. Physically, we are together, but mentally and spiritually, we are miles apart So marriage could be a solution, but it is not the entire and the absolute solution. It's a parcel solution. As we say in Arabic, It's part of the reason, part of the solution, not the entire solution. And I will come and uh, speak about it soon, how this type of loneliness in the marriage is the worst type of loneliness, the worst type of suffering. When you live surrounded by family members, by your spouse, by your husband and your wife, and sometimes your kids, but still, you are not happy. Still you you feel no one is listening, no one understands. You do not relate to them. This is the worst type of feeling. We have to capitalize on two types of relationship. The vertical and the horizontal. The vertical relationship being with God. Sometimes we say to someone who suffers from depression, anxiety, loneliness, you know, we tell them go and pray, but they do. They do pray. They go to the mosque, They pray at all. They recite God. Nothing happens. Doesn't change. So what type of prayers we should pray? Not all the prayers are affected by a because sometimes, most of the times, our prayers are mechanical, not spiritual. Mechanical means we stand before God, before the pillar, we bow down, we prostrate, we stand again, we raise our hand in the prayers, but they are all mechanical. It doesn't have a spirit, it does not have intention, it does not have an essence, it does not have a connection, it does not declare, it. there is no connection. This prayer is empty. This prayer is vacuum. And this is what God says in many times. He says, woe unto those who perform the prayers, but their prayers is empty. <laughs> they are forgetful about the reason of the prayers, the purpose of the prayers, the fruits of the prayers. They don't pay attention to it. The prayers that really helps a lot, and gets you connected with God, is the meditation that you do. It's when you speak with God, not just when you stand in formal prayers. Sometimes formal prayers are good and mandatory, but they are not enough. You have to establish a personal connection with God, not formal, personal. These five daily prayers are formal. Sometimes it does not work. It's a responsibility, it's a duty. You just want to get them off your chest, get away with it, just do it and then leave. But you have to, the prayers that really counts and it's effective. When you are alone, when you are walking on the beach, in the desert, in the mountain, in the nature, by yourself, when you are driving on a long freeway, And then you start talking to God with your own language. Spontaneously, you speak with God with a natural language, with a genuine language. You speak to him as you see him, as Imam Ali says. When he speaks to God, he sees him before. And you need him. You need him urgently in your life and you cannot survive without him and you have nothing in this universe but him pay attention to the term مفتار. who is مفتار? مفتار is the person who is in a state of distress state of distress and there is no help nobody is listening to him He's screaming, he's shouting, he's banging, he's uh, crying. Nobody's there, but there's only one entity which is there and can hear him and respond to him, and that is a lost power. You should send at his last call. Similar to the calls that the ships they make when they are drowning, when they are sinking, This is how we should we speak to God. Intimately. An intimate. Personal. Natural. Do not use diplomatic language with God. God does not like diplomatic language. God wants wants you to be yourself. When you speak to him, be yourself. Do not pretend that you are someone else. Speak very natural with God. Very intimate. It will change your life. The more you have these conversations with God, the more you have these reflections and meditations with God, the more you get close to Him. The more you understand, him, the more you foster a true relationship with Him. Oh God. Who's the one who really enjoys the conversation, this intimate and sincere conversation with you, when I just this communion with you, and then he opts for something else or someone else? No. When you enjoy that conversation, you are not going to seek another. You are not going to knock at another door. But the problem: we don't enjoy the conversation. Because we speak to God and our mind is with the business, with the office, with the food, with the vacation, with the entertainment, with the next movie on Netflix, with all these things. Our mind is busy. We don't have time for God. We have time for everything in life. But when it comes to God, our mind is too busy with other things. We don't pay attention. So this is one relationship with God which is important. When you enjoy this relationship, trust me, you're going to reduce the level of maybe you do not eliminate it completely but you significantly reduce the level of focus. Significantly reduce. One of the beautiful hadith says you know why people sometimes they commit suicide why people when they have a romantic relationship between two individuals hopefully a man and woman not something else sometimes if this if this if they break off the relationship one of them I need some silence in the back <laughs> so one of them with contemplates taking away his life or her life, they contemplate suicide. The hadith says, this is a punishment. It says when your soul, soul is vacuumed, is empty from God, when you do not, when you choose not to connect with God, God is going to force you to connect with someone who's undeniable. He's going to leave you, he's going to abandon you, he's going to dodge you. He gets attached to that person. He's attached to that person, at the end of the day, that person is going to turn his face and leave. When this true love, genuine love, sincere love, does not penetrate your heart. Your heart does not accept this genuine love from God, and you deny it and you say to God, "Listen, God, I can make it by myself. I don't want your help. I don't want your guidance. I don't want your love." Then you're going to be afflicted with another type of love, which is unreliable. It's going to betray you, and this is what happens. People suffer because of these broken romantic relationships. People get depressed. At a time of divorce, at a time of separation, when one of them does not answer the other, abandons the other, does not answer her calls, they're going to get depressed. This is some sort of punishment. But if we, if we have the genuine love, if we have the genuine connection with God, we are not going to suffer when people leave us. Because we have a substitute. Because that your heart is not empty in the first place. It's not empty. So, these relationships, the horizontal ones, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your friends, are essential. They are important. But if you miss one of them, you are not going to suffer loneliness. Because your heart is filled with the original relationship. With the relationship. Have you ever heard in your life a pious person, let alone an imam or a prophet or a saint or a soul fellow a pious person would tell you that my wife left me and I cannot sleep the night or my son or my friend? They would not tell you this. Yes, we get sad for that, definitely that you will not feel lonely because God is still in your heart. You have a connection. You have a relationship. Especially when you recite the Dua. Especially when you have, when you take care of these supplications, you do not abandon them. After the prayers, don't just leave The, the prayer room without reciting these supplications after the Salah. Sit and recite these supplications. During the month of Ramadan, during the morning, du'a al-salah, during the days, the weeks, the nights, when you reflect on the Quranic recitation, it's not important how many pages you read. You may read it three verses, no more. But your reading is effective. The Quran penetrates your soul and your heart. You get attached to it. You enjoy it. Quran oh, creates miracles. Nowadays, I met many converts who recently converted after October 7th. I met them. I met many of them. And then when I asked them, why did you decide to convert? What prompted you to come to this religion? You are white, you are Catholic, you are Protestant, you are atheist. What brought you to this religion? Most of them not, all. most of them tell me, we were reciting the Quran, we started reciting this book. And imagine they are not reciting the Arabic text, they are reciting the English translation, which could be insufficient, but yet, it's effective. When, it, when you read it with reflection, Take some time to reflect, to when to read the Quran. Try to understand. Try to connect. This is what happened. Allah is not kidding here. This is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration. What he says, we bring down with this book, in this book, in this holy book, we bring healing and recovery. Not just physical healing, spiritual. Mental, psychological healing, too. Provided that you are a Provided that you connect with God. Provided that I put elegance aside, I humble myself. I humble myself before God. I really seek, I desperately seek His healing and His guidance. But if I am a and I think I am OK, I can take care of myself, I have the best doctor in town, I have money, I have a future, I have career, I have friends, then it's not going to work. Then the believers in this So this is one relationship, the vertical and the horizontal relationship. Definitely, we need friends in our life. Every person needs a friend. Every male needs a female. Every female desperately needs a male in our life. This is how God designed this life. He's the engineer. He's the designer of this life. We cannot function. We cannot reach our potential if we don't have the right partner from the opposite gender. The right partner, the right spouse. Every man, no matter how powerful, strong, influential, creative, wealthy. He needs a female wisdom. He needs the heart and the soul of a female standing with him, next to him. Supporting him, encouraging him, helping him, holding his hand. Saying, "I'm, I'm there for you. Every female, no matter how independent she is. Powerful, she is strong. She needs a man, his chivalry, his magnanimity. She needs his protection. Not necessarily physical protection, but mental and psychological protection. After all, this is the reason why we get married. Why do we get married? For the bed, for the bedroom, for the food? These are minor things. We get married because God says, Mawattatan, in gentle among your hearts, the male and female, mawatta, affection, wa rahmat. We need mawatta and we need rahmat. We need the affection, we need the love, we need the care, we need the attention. And we need the nurse, too. This is why we need marriage. This is why the institution of marriage is sacred. But sometimes, even within the institution of marriage, people feel lonely. They are married, they have families. But they suffer loneliness. Why? There are a number of reasons. One of them, because there is no compatibility between the two. No compatibility from day one. One of them is spiritual, the other is materialistic. One of them always thinks of his mission or her mission in this life. They need to help others. They need to reach out to others. The other one is selfish. He or she needs to focus on himself or herself. They don't care about what is happening. There is no competitiveness. One of them always think of improving herself or himself spiritually, religiously, morally, developing that, that self. The other one, he wants to spend his time in the malls, in the movie theaters. I remember one year a lady said to me she came to hajj, she used to come to hajj every year with us. One year said, saying, this is my last year, I said why, she said because my husband is not religious, he's not practicing, he doesn't believe in hajj and the more I go to hajj the more I become religious and the more he becomes secular and anti, anti-religion. And the gap is widening between us, unfortunately. We live two completely different styles. I am a poor religion, it's anti-religion. And the gap is widening. You have to be careful from day one. Who to choose. Star selection is important. It will affect your life. It will affect your children. So be careful. The other reason of this loneliness in a marriage is that because we put too much expectation on the institution of marriage. You want your partner to be everything for you. You want him or her to be your entertainer, your event winner, your therapist, you know, your soulmate, problem solver for you. So much. So much. Do not be codependent. God has given you the power, the energy, the ability, the creativity, the ability. Do not be completely codependent. Do not be dependent. It's not good. Do not depend on anyone in this life except, except one, and that one is your Lord. Because that person can leave you enemies. That person can die in it. That person can be incapacitated. Anyways, I I know stories from my community. A lady who was completely dependent on her husband and everything from A to Z. when he died, she collapsed. Her life was shattered. She didn't know what to do. And I know another story, an opposite story to this. A lady who was not completely dependent on her husband, he died of heart attack, left her with young kids, she raised them very well,
0: Now, mashallah,
1: each and every one of them is a leader. Is a leader, a giant in the community. Because of the mother, single mother. She put her trust in God. She didn't collapse. And she was suffering, of course. She was struggling. But at the end of the day, she succeeded. She delivered. Don't put your complete trust in any person. To handle things by yourself. In case of emergency, you are there, you don't collapse. The other reason for loneliness is that they have two different social styles. One of them gives preference to his friends, his priority is his friends, while the other one, his priority is his family. So this difference is going to create loneliness. They don't connect with each other. And there are many other reasons. And nowadays, one of the major reasons for connect, for, for loneliness are these devices, my friends. Look at them, the smartphones. There is a good book written by an American author. You almost read that book. It says, out to smart your smartphone. Out to smart your smartphone. Don't get addicted to it a lot of times you have to put this aside when you go home you sit with your family with your kids when you have dinner when you have family gathering all of you put this in a different form. but shut it off sometimes when we uh, are lonely we go and we serve the internet we go to instagram to facebook we try to these pictures and photos of our friends and their vacations and their homes and their weddings and their divorces and their things. Not knowing that this type of addiction is the reason why we are lonely. Why? Because you created for yourself a lifestyle which is not real, not genuine. You connect with others, but this connection with others are through these devices. It's not natural. It's not natural connection. God says in paradise, you are not using these devices. How do you connect with others? so in you are lying on couches, you are facing each other, seeing each other, not through these devices. Now these kids, they sit at home, they communicate with their parents through this. He's in the same house. Sometimes he's in the same room. He doesn't speak to his mother. He sends out a message. Not cool. This is not cool. This is not fun. So try to limit screen time and try to put these aside and face each other and talk to each other as well. Establish genuine relationship, real relationship, natural relationship, face-to-face relationship, not virtual relationship. In the past, Nobody would say I'm lonely. Those of you who come from Lebanon, or Syria, or Egypt, or Iraq, or Yemen, or Pakistan, or Iran, or Palestine. Did you hear 20, 30, 40 years ago people say we are lonely? No. Why? Because people have a beautiful social life. People see each other, they visit each other. Even if they sit in a coffee shop, they meet in a coffee shop, they speak, they talk. Nowadays, go to any coffee shop, any restaurant, any home, any living room. You see, people are watching this. They think they don't see each other. Next time, when you go home, look at yourself and your family and your kids. You are busy with these. Kids sitting next to their parents, they don't speak to their parents. They speak to someone who lives 10,000 miles away. His mind is there. This is one of the reasons we are creating loneliness for ourselves. Rohanna? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So we decided that we I speak for 20 minutes and then we're going to have a discussion. Q and A, So and I'm open for your questions. Thank you, oh. Sultana <laughs>
0: So I'll just um, ask Sayyid a few questions, and then we'll open it up to the audience for any questions. Thank you so much for that inspirational lecture. I think every single one of your lectures has impacted my life. Um, The one thing I have to ask is that, you know, when you talk about the connection to Allah in our namaz, and we go through namaz, we have five namaz, you know, three times a day, me. Prayers, Prayers. Three. Use the universal language. Sure. The five prayers a day, three times a day. How do we continue to renew that connection to Allah? Because, you know, if you joke, a running joke in my family is if you can't decide on a restaurant to eat, you'll go pray and the restaurant name will come to you because you're just so distracted by everything. How do we maintain that connection through to Allah when we're either feeling low about something or just in general?
1: The answer is in chapter 23. Your answer is in the beginning of chapter 23. Surat al-Mu'minun, the believers, the faithfuls. Qad al-mu'minun fi salatihim If we really take time, if we don't rush into the prayers, if we take our time, if we prepare the place, if we prepare ourselves when we perform the wubu and we stand for the prayers, prepare ourselves psychologically for this you know when you and me we have an important appointment to to meet someone important yes what do we do we just go casual
0: no we prepare we prepare i prepare for this lecture i've been
1: lecturing for 50 years but i prepare for every meeting and every lecture i don't go unprepared why do why when we go to god we go unprepared Why when we stand for the prayers we we are half sleepy, you know, absent-minded, tired? When they stand, even when they intend to pray, they are lazy. They don't take it serious. As I said earlier, mechanical prayers, not, not spiritual, they don't put any effort into that prayers. They don't put any effort. They don't get prepared. This is why they don't enjoy it. And this is why they don't humble themselves before God. But if we are prepared for that, definitely this prayer will will change our mind. Definitely, we are not going to think about other issues while we are standing in prayers. We are not going to find the keys that we lost somewhere during our prayers. We're going to focus. And one other thing my friends another tip on the prayers When you pray at home when you pray at home what chapters of the Quran you use I know the first chapter is suratul fatiha okay what is the se- second chapter 99% 99.9% of the people are going to recite al-ikhlas <laughs> <Sorry. Huh? laughs> <laughs> When you read the same chapters, it's going to be a routine. We are not going to reflect upon. But if you read a new chapter, even if you hold the book, it's okay. We don't memorize the Quran. Hold the Quran in your hand. It's okay. Perfectly okay. And read a new chapter. And take some time and try to reflect on the new wording of this chapter. If you don't understand Arabic, Carry a version, a Quran that has translation, English translation, French, Spanish, Farsi, or do other translations. Hold it in your hand and read. The second chapter, read another chapter which is engaging, a new chapter that is going to open your eyes and your heart. But if you keep reading every single prayers, every single you take it for granted. You're not going to reflect upon that. So this is another way of preparing yourself for the prayers. Prepare yourself. Take time. Once you take care of your prayers, the prayers is going to take care of you. The prayers is going to take care of your loneliness, your anxiety, your depression, your boredom. It's going to take care of your mind, your soul, your life. You're going to have a different perspective on this life. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be you. You. You as a mother. You as a father. You as a son and daughter. You're going to be a source of inspiration for others. For other people. You're not going to suffer. We have to change these things. They are simple things. but And now, mostly people during the New Year, they have a New Year resolution. So let this be your new resolution. Try to approach, try to have a different, a new approach to the Salat, to the five daily prayers. But also, don't forget what I said earlier. We need to have, we need to have a simple informal communication and a speech with God. When you open your eyes in the middle of the night, if you cannot do Salat al-Lay, you are too tired. Stay in bed. You don't have to do Salat al-Lay. Speak for two minutes with God. Tell him about what you feel. Tell him about the challenges you are facing. Tell him about the fear you have. Tell him about your uncertainty. Share it with God. God loves to hear your voice and he will answer you. And the hadith, -Hadith Al-Hadith Al-Qudsi, says: sometimes God does not answer, he doesn't answer not because he does not want to answer you, not because he hates you, because he loves to hear your voice more and more. Because if he answers you today, immediately you are not going to ask him. He's going to miss your voice. So he wants you to keep talking to him so he can enjoy your voice. Change your lifestyle. When you change it, definitely you're going to to feel much happier and much content. This is the golden expression, the golden term, inner satisfaction, to be content with your life. Even if you don't have much, even if your home is one bedroom, small, humble, your car is humble, your income is, is moderate and humble, you would still thank God. You would say, Alhamdulillah, I'm much better than
0: that's an excellent point to bring up. Um, another aspect you brought up was the importance of marriage in order to not feel lonely and how, you know, Allah has said that both genders need each other. Do you think there's a crisis, though, in marriage, whether it's difficulty in finding a spouse or the increase in divorce rates that's causing even more loneliness, people looking elsewhere? Because when I talk to my friends, it's, it is a constant topic of we can't really find anyone to get married. Do you think communities could do more, or do you have any thoughts on the matter?
1: Absolutely. We have a big problem in this area. People tell you, you know, here in this conference and many other conferences, they have matchmaking for them. We have a website that we created at our Islamic Center in Orange County called meettheone.org. Over 700 people have registered. 700 boys and girls on this website. But still, people say we cannot find the match. They go to a conference, there is 500 men, 500 women who are single. They go home empty-handed. They say we could not. You know why? You know why? It's not because there is no match. It's because we raised the ball. When you raise the bar of your expectations, you're not going to find it. You're going to Live the rest of your life lonely, without the spouse. Lower the body. Because the man, what does he want? He wants her to be the most attractive, okay? Also rich, educated, having at least 14 types of surgery, you know, (laughs) from head to toe. And and many of these things. And what does she want in a man? Money. This is number one. <laughs> Money, rich, a mansion, fancy car, vacations, good looking, uh, uh, good looking, and also the wedding ring, which is twenty. This is, by the way, this is two dollars. <laughs> a twenty-five thousand, you know, dollar wedding ring. I, I see this. I, I officiate weddings. You know, I officiate weddings. The other day, I was officiating a wedding. And I saw the mahar, the bridal wealth, which is supposed to be symbolic. Symbolic. <laughs> $10,000, $5,000, a trip to Hajj, a trip to Ziyarah. You know, guess what was the, the bridal wealth, the mahar? $1 million. I was about to tell her, of course, I have to be polite. I can't ruin the, the <laughs> wedding. I was about to tell her, you are not marrying him, you are marrying his money. You are in love with his money, not with this man. So from day one, this marriage carries the recipe of separation and collapse and divorce. When you marry someone for the wrong reason, not for the real reason. When we, when we forget about each other's character, when we forget about the akhlaq, about honesty, About faithfulness, when we forget and put them aside, these marriages and these relationships are not going to last long. But if you follow what the prophet says, if you look for two major things, one of them is the character. This person has a good character. This person is loyal. This person is going to be not only a wife for me, but a good mother for my kids. This person is going to be not only a husband for you, but a good father for your kids. This person is going to be loyal. He would stand with you. Till death, he will be with you. He would not abandon you for someone else. Look for these characters. akhlaq and Deen, the character, and real faith, not phony faith. I said earlier in my Arabic speech, when it comes to Iman and faith, what is our definition of Iman? Someone is mu'min. Well, he's yisalli and yisum. He prays and he fasts. But this is not the real definition. Many people, they do fast and they do pray and they have no faith and they have no honesty and they cheat and they steal and they murder and they betray. It's not about. Millions of people now, they stand in prayers. Immediately after the prayers, they go home and they abuse their wives, they abuse their kids, they abuse their customers in the market. So it's not an indication that this person is good. Prayers is important But it, it does not guarantee that this person is a good person. What guarantees, Imam al Sadiq says, test the person with two qualities. If they have these two qualities, they are truly faithful. If they speak the truth, they don't lie. And they fulfill the trust. They fulfill the trust. They are honest. They fulfill the trust. A friend told me that when he went to Korea, a Korean person said to him that if you forget this smartphone in the metro there, nobody is going to touch it. You come the following day, you find it there. This is Korea. It's in our book this isn't how these instructions are in the Quran but we don't read them we don't follow them we don't care about it it's in our book but in Muslim countries we don't we don't care sometimes you lose this in the masjid during the Friday prayers You lose your shoes, not your only smartphone. Because we don't follow our boy. Some people pray, but they don't follow the prayers. They don't follow. So when someone is honest, honest and truthful, put your trust in that person. He's not going to hurt you. You're going to enjoy your life with him, even if you live in a one-bedroom apartment. But life becomes delicious and good.
0: an excellent answer. We'll now open to questions from the audience. There's a mic right there. I have a question about what you said um while the screen for prayer. As a non-air speaker, So if you
1: are learning a new surah, and you are reading the Qur'an in front of you, again, non-Arabic speaker, are you permitted to read it in English, to learn it? Yes. Sister, don't worry about pronunciation. Trust me, there are many scholars who do not pronounce the Qur'an correctly. Scholars, let alone people. So don't worry about pronunciation you have to understand the meaning. And definitely, if you don't pronounce the Quran well, you can read the translation, you can read the translation. In fact, you enjoy reading the translation more than enjoying the original Arabic text, if you don't understand the Arabic text. Even in the prayers, those who are newly converted, they come to me, they say, well, I'm American, born and raised, you know, I'm not Arab, So, I cannot memorize Surah Al-Fatihah, Surah Al-Ikhlas. Of course, they try, but in the beginning, in the first few weeks or even months, they cannot. So, I tell them, read it in English. There is an exception. There is a solution. If you can't read it properly in Arabic, then you may hold the book. Either you memorize the translation or, or hold the book in your hand and you can read it. And Allah understand all languages. Our Lord, luckily, is a universal Lord. He's not only the Lord of the Arabs, the God of the Arabs is the God the God Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Rabbil Alameen the Lord of the entire universe. So whatever language you speak, he doesn't understand because he created you, he designed you, he programmed you, and he knows every word you utter. Even if you don't utter it, you can seal it in your heart. You can get it. You can get it. So don't worry about the pronunciation. So my question
0: is, from how, uh, from an Islamic perspective, how can we prove that all um, people have free will and they are not predestined to do everything?
1: Listen. Uh, we do not have absolute free will, by the way, no absolute free will, because many things you try to do and you cannot. You try to sometimes pass the test, the finals, midterms, and you can't. So you don't have the free will. You want to buy this house, but you can, and you have the money, cash, you cannot buy the house. You want to marry this person, but she doesn't want to marry you. So we do not have absolute free will. Sometimes we love, we plan to do certain things, but it doesn't happen. This means we don't have absolute free will. Neither, on the other hand, neither we are coerced or forced to do things that we don't believe in. This is exactly what our sixth Imam says, because there were two philosophical schools, the coercionists, Mujabbirah, who believed who believe that, and those are the Ash'arites tradition. They still exist until today. They believe that you have no choice in this life. You are driven by God. You are only a vehicle. You don't control that vehicle. God is controlling you. So even if you want to go to paradise, but God does not want you to go to paradise, He's going to send you to hellfire. Even if you want to go to hellfire, you say to God, I want to go to hellfire. Leave me alone. He says, no, I'm going to send you to it does not make sense it doesn't make sense ok, we are not animals, we are human beings neither we believe in the absolute free will as the Mu'tazilites they are the opposite to Ash'arites they believe in absolute free will because we don't have free will how many times I had myself many dreams and I tried to accomplish them, I couldn't I could not So we are in the middle. We are in the middle. 50% of our life is controlled by God. Your birth was controlled by God. Your parents, did you choose your own parents? Did you choose the day of your birth? Did you choose the city of your birth? Are we going to choose the place of our death? We don't know. The time of our death? We don't know. It's not us. But the other 50% of our life, we have control over it. And this other 50% is very important because it is going to determine whether we're going to go to the right or the left on the Day of Judgment. To believe in God or to disbelieve in Him. To follow Him or to not follow Him. To obey or to disobey. This is up to you. This is up to you. You have a free will here. Free will. Now you chose to come here to this room at this time. There are many others are standing in Khadija or in the law, or they are in the dining room, or they are in their rooms. Or, or alhamdulillah, now we have Muslims here. There are many people on the night now, dancing and drinking and partying. They have a free will. You came here through your free will. Nobody coerced you to come here. And those who are outside, they want them to their free will. And this free will that we have, this choice that we have, is going to determine our destination tomorrow. Whether ashabul yamini ma ashabul yamin or ashabul shimali ma ashabul shimali, Inshallah, all of you are going to be the people of the light, ashabul yamin. Inshallah, Taala. There is a question. Sayyidina,
0: thank you for your uh, presentation. You talked about having uh, this connection and love with with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and for those that get to taste that, they would not want to try
1: anything else. Uh, But for most of us, despite
0: having moments where we do feel that, we always forget. I would love to hear your thoughts on a perspective, on practical advice on how to maintain that and be more consistent with that. So that we don't lose it in the moment and
1: commit a mistake by forgetting this love we have with Allah. One of the things that would really protect us against losing what we have, what we already accomplished, is that staying away from sins. This is a big factor, my friends. Big element. It really helps you. At the time of sin, say no. Be strong. And you have the choice. Believe me, you have the choice. Don't allow weakness. Don't allow emotion to overcome you. We have two elements inside us. One is reason, the second is atifa. Emotion, and they are always clashing with each other. My atifa. My emotion is telling me drink this, eat this, have a relationship here, enjoy your time, say this, do this. You are free, you are in America, a free country, you are a free person. Why do you fear the government? Why do you fear your wife? Why do you fear the society? Be free, be yourself, follow your heart. This is what it tells me today, But my heart says no, you are a human being. Even if people do not see you, There is another power that is watching you and monitoring you. You have a conscience. Don't abuse people. Don't abuse people's daughters because you have a daughter. Don't abuse your parents because you're going to be a parent soon. You're going to be, you're going to have kids soon. You don't want your kids to abuse you. Don't abuse your customers. Don't abuse your neighbors. This is what the Aql tells me. Aql tells me that if you want to enjoy this life truly and not to regret any moment of it, then stay away from these things. Jafar ibn Abi Talib came to the Prophet. One day, Jibreel came upon the Prophet, descended upon the Prophet. He said, Ya Rasulallah, Inna Allah Ta'ala shakar li Jafar ibn Abi Talib arba' khifal. God is grateful for this man, Ja'far. He was 10 years older than Imam Ali, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. His grave is in Jordan. If you happen to go to Jordan, Muqtah, which is two hours south of Amman, the capital, his grave is there in Muqtah, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. He was killed in the Battle of Tabuk. God is grateful for him because during before Islam, during the time of ignorance, the Jahiriyah he stayed away from four things. He did not practice them. Everybody was practicing them. Jafar he opted not to. So the Prophet asked Jafar because he's his first cousin, said to him, Ja'far, come here. Jibreel is telling me that you did not do four things. What are they? Ja'far look at his loss and his sincerity and his honesty. I wish we have part of his honesty and sincerity. He said, "Ya If it wasn't for God informing you about these qualities, I would never utter it. I would not even share it with you. You are my leader. You are my prophet. But I would not. I keep it secret to myself. Look at their flaws. When you do something good and you don't want people to know about it. This is a class. But when I do something and I want to send it on Instagram immediately so people know, people praise me and love me more because Mustafa is doing this and this and this and that, I lose the credit. And when I lose, it's not only about losing the credit, I hurt myself. I hurt my soul. But we don't notice. So he said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulallah, Lam aduk khamran paq. Wine was rampant, was common. Wine at that time was like coffee today. Tea, hot tea, hot chocolate, cappuccino. But I did not, I did not even taste it. I didn't. The Prophet said, why? He said, Ya Rasulullah, لِأَنَّهُ يزيل It takes my reason away from me. Why should I lose my reason? I love my reason. I want to reason with things. If I lose my reason, then I'm not not like an animal. Ya Rasulallah, walam Azniqa. At that time, it was the habit of Mecca, the Arabs, to fornicate. To fornicate, zina. They would call wine and zina al-atyaban. The most two delicious things in the society was drinking and fornication. He said, I stayed away. I was single. I was young. I had desire. I stayed away from fornication from zina. The prophet said, why? He said, because I knew if I practice that against people's daughters, someone will come and practice it against my daughter. So be careful. Don't think that you tamper with people's daughters and your family is going to stay safe. If you want to keep your family safe, don't tamper with people's daughters. Don't do that. Respect especially for the young ones We think that mut'a is, you know, okay, I'm 16, I'm 17, I don't need the consent of anyone, I don't need the consent of my parents, I can have sex with her because Islam says, okay, Shi'a, no, you are wrong. Mut'a, temporary marriage, time marriage, Time marriage has rules, strict rules, and regulations and adab. It's not an anarchy. Be careful. Don't do that. When you do it to people, someone is going to do it to your sister, to your daughter in the future. And then he said, "Ya Rasulallah, akthib I never lied to anyone. To anyone. The Prophet said, why? He said, bil muru'a. I would lose my respect. If people find out that I am lying, they are not going to respect me. And the fourth thing, he said, Ya Rasulallah, وَلَمْ أَسْجُدْ لِصَنَا قَطٍ Only few people who did not prostrate before idols. Number one was Muhammad Number two was Imam Ali Number three was Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. They did not prostrate to idols. Idols were everywhere, at the top of the Ka'bar, Masjid Al-Haram, Safa, Marwa. Idols, plenty of idols. He said, the Prophet said, why, Ya Jafar, you did it? He said, because I knew that this idol is not going to benefit me nor harm me. Why should I prostrate before the idol? The Prophet thanked him. He said, Ya Jafar, haqqa laka the prophet gave him a news he did not know about it the prophet referenced to his martyrdom and this is way before his martyrdom many years he said to him you're going to lose your arms and God is going to substitute you with two wings you're going to fly with two wings in paradise with angels so My friends, we clash, there is a clash, always, between reason and outcome. We have to put reason first. Do not sacrifice your reason for the sake of your emotion, always. Every single morning, we have a choice, my friends. When you open your eyes, you have a choice, either to follow your reason, and reason is going to lead you to truth and justice, or you follow your emotions, your desire, which is going to lead you into damnation. And the wars that we see, the bloodshed that we see today, because many people are are following the and obeying the desire, not the reason. Thank you, may Allah bless you all.